This is DJ Moore. You're listening to a roster watch. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition, the week four edition of the rosterwatch.com tradecast. My name is Byron Lambert, and of course, this is where we come every week to analyze, to break down the fantasy football trade market. And of course, it's imperative at this juncture of the season that our number one objective is we are pursuing the consolidation trade. That's where we're taking two of our good players, two of our players that ideally are overperforming or maybe just appropriately valued and we package them up and we send them off to another team in exchange for one player that we view as superior or better in return Uh, optimally it'll be somebody that we're buying low on in order to maximize that value that we're getting in return and um, you know consolidation trades those are the trades that we're doing when we're buying Those are oftentimes the trades that we're doing when we're winning or operating from a position of strength or our team is performing well. And the idea behind it is um, that we will continually level our roster up uh, by making these trades. And what I mean by that is if we're continually consolidating two players into one better player, over time, that's going to accumulate a whole bunch of talent across our entire fantasy roster, our bench and our starting lineup. So it slowly will improve every position on our team. And more importantly, uh, or equally as importantly, part of this process when we make these consolidation trades is that thereby we liberate a roster spot that we can use for another ever so important waiver wire ad. And as you guys know, uh, we preach about cultivating uh, waiver wire uh, gold every week of the season. And this is where we're going to take guys that can be had on the cheap on our waiver wires now. And in just a few weeks, they'll be as valuable or more valuable than potentially the guys that we traded. So every time we make a consolidation trade, we are leveling up the entirety of our roster. We're also clearing a roster space to add another waiver player that could either be a season changer or just more ammunition for more consolidation trades. And we keep working this angle. And over time, we're going to build a cartoonish roster, a starting lineup and bench. And then you guys will see as we get later in the season, we'll switch gears. uh, We'll change up our strategy and uh, we'll have something very special in store for you with what we're going to do with all that talent later in the season as we gear up uh, for our playoff run. And then the other principal type of trade that's occurring right now, uh, it's not – it's it, it's it's not the most prized trade from our perspective, but it's certainly a necessary one. And this is the liquidation trade, and this is basically when you're selling. So let's say you have a team that is underperforming, and you have identified that the reason you're underperforming is you've got a few holes in your lineup, especially in your starting lineup. Well, oftentimes what we can do here is we could take a player on our team that we believe is performing above expectation. And we can sell them and get two players in return in this in this scenario. So it's the opposite of the consolidation trade. It's I, In a perfect world, we won't be doing very many of these because we want to be on the other side of this thing. But look, we'll do these liquidation trades until we get to the other side of these things. For the people that need to win right now, uh, you guys need to be looking at matchups in your league 
uh, players with good matchups in your league that'll help you win this week. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to you know, sell the house to get some crappy player with a good matchup for one week. I mean, we're going to be somewhat prudent. We're going to be looking for commensurate value uh, in return. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, this is what we'll be doing if we need to improve our starting lineup, if that's what we have identified. This will let us and hopefully we'll we'll buy low on some guys too. So we will we can kind of replenish our starting roster, become more competitive, and then if we can get on the right side of this thing and start winning some some matchups and uh, improving our record in our fantasy football league, then all of a sudden, before we know it, we will have accumulated the depth of talent that will let us switch gears into this consolidation mode that is really the number one mandate of the season. Once again, I'll always challenge you guys right here on this podcast to make as many consolidation trades, meaningful consolidation trades uh, as you can this season. And remember, you want to have an objective, have a purpose when, in mind when you're trading, understand who the principles in the deal that uh, you know, you're trading are. And you know, how does this improve your roster, uh, the entirety of your roster? And how does this improve your starting lineup? Those are going to be some key components of what we're looking at when we're analyzing trade deals. So let's begin this week with some important players that we want to sell. Actually, some kind of sneaky players that we want to sell. Um, getting a lot of questions about this. A lot of you folks that drafted maybe guys like Alexander Madison or Latavius Murray or Chase Edmonds, um, Benny Snell, Tony Pollard, all of these super important handcuffs in our fantasy football leagues. Um, if you drafted those guys, but you don't own the principal runner in that backfield, um, I know a lot of you guys are thinking about just flat out dropping these dudes at this point because they really have no value to your team and they're they're dead weight. And I get it. But the prudent thing to do before you drop any of these guys, you got to realize that the owners of the principal backs, the guys who own Camara and Chris Carson and uh, Kenyon Drake and you know uh, Dalvin Cook and Zeke Elliott, all these guys, they, they've seen enough injuries to get a little bit scared straight this year. And look, they're well aware of the value of those players. So before you drop them, understand that those players, those high value, highly valued running back handcuffs in our fantasy football leagues, even if they're not valuable to you, they do have value to somebody else uh, in your league. And look, you might have somebody who is willing to just take their chances and they'd prefer to wait and see if you just drop the guy. And if um, if they're anticipating that, they'll, of course, try to snatch that player up for free off of waivers because it's unlikely anybody else in your league uh, Will, that said, these are important players that they want to make sure to get their mitts on. So maybe you're not trying to drive an incredibly uh, difficult bargain on these handcuffs, but certainly before I drop guys like Madison and Edmonds, Pollard, um, Murray, Hyde, before I drop any of them, I'm going to the Carson owner, I'm going to the Zeke owner, and even if it's a small deal, I'm going to see if I can make a small consolidation trade that includes uh, that handcuff, that backup running back, and uh, if I can upgrade my roster anywhere, uh, it was definitely you know worth my time. All right, next up for this week, uh, this is an easy one. This is such an easy one. A, just an absolute average player at best, Mike uh, Davis of the Carolina Panthers, kind of filling in here for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he got the score last week. He got some targets last week, so overall that helped him um, big time, but uh, it doesn't take long to remember that Mike Davis is an average to below average player. He's one of these guys that can pop for 
a week or two as a fill-in, you know, on your roster, but not anybody that you can rely on long-term. I think you see it in his yards per carry. Just he didn't have the juice. He's not a you know, he's not a guy that's uh, really capable of creating much on his own. So I think while he has value, while people in your league are desperate, and this is a reminder. Again, I hate to digress here, but if we're making consolidation trades, the first teams we're targeting is we're going to the bottom of the standings in our league and we're looking for all the teams that are zero and three right now and we're going to see if we can you know rip them off for for their good players that's uh, got to be the number one strategy so mike davis not going to garner a lot of respect or value in your league but that said there's probably somebody somewhere in your league that could use him has a hole right now to fill for this week to try to get a win and um, his value is going to be ephemeral. It will dissipate. It will evaporate in short order. Um, we got to remember we have a week in the rearview mirror as far as Christian McCaffrey's rehab, who we'll get to a little bit later in this episode. And uh, look, the Panthers got to win. The Panthers got to win. So the more they win, the more likely it is that they get McCaffrey back in the fold sooner than later, which is uh, going to eliminate any value for Mike Davis. So again, like the handcuff guys, this may be a small a small deal that you're looking to do with a guy like Mike Davis. He's not going to have a lot of value, um, but I would trade him or attempt to trade him while I can, while he does have value. This is the thing, the things that, you know, uh, smart players uh, do. Uh, As far as another sell, Devin Singletary, who looked really good this last week, uh, getting basically the lion's share of the, all the activity there in Buffalo with Zach Moss uh, sidelined. It does look like Zach Moss is about to re-enter the mix this week. And, you know, I think even though Singletary has gotten some daylight here to create some separation, and I think he's a fine fantasy asset. He's probably like a really good flex on the season if you're being reasonable. But I think the team indicated to us, they tried to show us, you know, in training camp and at the beginning of the season what their intention is with this backfield. And I, I think it's a split you know, a fairly split backfield with Singletary in the lead. Now, obviously the Bills are on fire. It's good to be attached to an offense that's humming like that. Uh, That said, I think Devin Singletary's value is pretty high right now. He has Zach Moss that's going to return. That's not only going to cut into his touches, but um, probably cut into maybe some of his red zone or goal line equity. Not a must sell for Devin Singletary, but uh, absolutely a guy I would investigate selling if he's the type of piece that I can package with somebody else and move up for a more premium player. The other tip I would mention to you guys, because it can be time consuming, uh, spending time analyzing the trade markets and putting deals together and sending offers in our leagues is, you know, one thing I do frequently is I go to my team and I figure out if there's do I have anybody I can even really sell high on before I spend a lot of time looking at all the other possibilities in my league for trades? Because if I don't have anybody to sell high on or I don't have anybody really that I want to sell at all or I, I just don't see that I have the assets that are going to bring me much, I think that, that's oftentimes maybe a week where you could consider sitting back a little bit because it's a long season and uh, you know we got to save our bandwidth a, a little bit here for the long haul. But um that said, if I go through my roster and I see some guys that I think made for some pretty good uh, trade bait, you can uh, bet your damn do- bottom dollar that uh, I will then make the decision to start putting some deals together with those guys. It's just a little bit of a time saver. Oftentimes, like what I tell you on waiver wires, like before you spend a whole bunch of time putting in waiver claims, 
Make sure you have anybody you can even drop on your team, anybody that you even want to drop on your team, uh, because if you don't, then you're basically uh, wasting your time. All right, let's get to uh, some of my buys of the week here. I teased it earlier, Christian McCaffrey, we spoke about him uh, you know, last week. We had some concerns that if you traded for him too early, it could be a little bit of a Saquon Barkley type situation from last year where it really turns out to be a blank and it's kind of a lost season. And by the time he comes on, it could be a little bit too late. So we're going to stick with what we said last week, that this is really a move for undefeated teams operating from a position of luxury who have the you know the the plethora of assets that they can afford to ship off and make a deal for McCaffrey in return that that said I McCaffrey becomes a little more enticing this week just based on the fact like I said the Panthers got a win one of our concerns with McCaffrey was that if they're in the hole and totally in the tank uh, they might bring him back slowly but I think it was good to see them get a win that's uh certainly works to McCaffrey's uh, you know, favor. And then, like I said, also Christian McCaffrey, uh, one week of rehab in the rearview mirror. So I think that if, if you're three and oh, you're in much better position to pursue Christian McCaffrey this week than teams that were two and oh last week. All right, guys, we always talk about, uh, you know, don't overpay for quarterbacks on this podcast. So you guys probably had a freak out when I had Patrick Mahomes on here last week. I think that's looking pretty damn good. Um, so we'll go back to that well again this week and we'll do it with the other elite guy that was drafted basically back to back super early with Mahomes this year. That's Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens. Actually, I think there's a number of Ravens who are buy low opportunities right now. So this is what I would say about Lamar Jackson. Buy only super low on Lamar Jackson. Now, how low are you going to get him for? I guess you'll have to make some uh, offers to see. Um, I think it's less of a mandate to go after Lamar Jackson than maybe it was to try to pursue uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, last week. But in the end, you know, Lamar Jackson could be a huge season changer for you. And I think the reason why it's, only a buy super low and not as much of a mandate is because we really see quarterbacks like three through 10 performing really, really well this year. So it'll be interesting to see how much such separation there is between uh, Jackson and these other guys uh, at the end of the year. That said, like if I'm looking to make a run, Lamar Jackson's an awesome player to try to add and, uh, you know, and see if he can make the difference. Like I'll, I'll take my chances with them. So when I'm looking at buying low on Lamar Jackson, I'd like to remind you guys, we get so many questions every week about, you know, if you're going to trade for a quarterback, how to go about doing it. And I always have to remind everybody, you know, trade, if you have a decent quarterback on your roster, your best option is always to trade that quarterback plus another piece, like a flex player or something to get, an upgrade on a singular quarterback in return. Because really, if you go trade a couple of skill players for that quarterback, then you're just, for, let's say for Lamar Jackson, but let's say you own, you know, Tom Brady or whatever it is. Like it doesn't, it's, it doesn't do you any good for Tom Brady to go to your bench. That's a real waste. And it's not how you would optimize. Now, sometimes the Lamar Jackson owner is not interested in your back in your quarterback. You're trying to send them. Well, at that point, uh, you can escalate talks from there. But I certainly think this is a good way to open things. And the way that I would consider opening trade discussions for Lamar Jackson is with Cam Newton. I think he is the absolute ideal guy to use to go after Lamar Jackson right now. Uh, I would take Cam Newton. I would package him up with 
hopefully a sell high flex type play. And uh, I would see if I could get Lamar Jackson. Um, I think Deshaun Watson may be about ready to start finally heating up here in Houston. Watson was one of those guys last week that I thought you could use to go after Patrick Mahomes with. They're both kind of, I don't know, slumping, I guess, a, a little bit. Um, so I, I think Watson is another guy you could use to go after Jackson. Uh, Lamar Jackson this week, if you're a Deshaun Watson owner and you're disenfranchised, um, you know, that's it. I, you know, what, how meaningful of a trade will that be? I think it, you know, remains to be seen. It's a little bit more marginal, but I, you know, I would certainly look into, I mean, if I didn't have a top five quarterback in my fantasy league, uh, I mean, I would certainly at least investigate what it would take to get Lamar Jackson. I think that could be a season changer and it's, it's a little bit sneaky uh, right now. Um, Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson quarterback 16 and 17 on the season right now, that kind of uh, blew my mind a little bit. And like I mentioned, I, if, if you can't ship off somebody like a Cam Newton for him, I think the other respectable guys you could go after Lamar Jackson with, you know, I think ideally you would take a Drew, Drew Brees who is looking a little better and he's getting Michael Thomas back, but we don't totally trust as a passer anymore. I think he would be an ideal guy, him or Cam Newton to pursue Lamar Jackson with, like I said, throw another skill player in there, package him up, see if you can bring Lamar Jackson home. Uh, I think you could consider it with Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Those would be other guys that I might take my chances on the upgrade with Lamar Jackson. Uh, I mentioned all the Ravens or multiple Ravens are interesting by low candidates right now. So we'll go to Lamar Jackson's top two targets. Uh, First, we'll start with Hollywood Marquise Brown. He leads all wide receivers on the team in Baltimore with exactly six targets a game. He seems to get six targets uh, every single game. So um, clearly that's the number we should be projecting Hollywood's production from moving forward. It's not big volume. So it's definitely concerning. Uh, obviously we know Marquise Brown is going to get very high value targets. I, I, so to me, when you see this offense, I think it's probably reasonable to assume that Marquise Brown is going to be a little bit boom bust based on what we've seen this year. Maybe not meeting the expectations we hope for preseason, but probably not all that surprising given what we know uh, about the situation. It's the matchups are okay for the next four weeks, the next month for Marquise Brown before he gets the week eight by. So you know, again, if I could get my hands on him, um, if I could take two lesser guys and get up to a Hollywood Brown, uh, I would certainly consider it. If I'm looking to liquidate a better player because I got to fill a few spots in my starting ro- roster, starting lineup to become more competitive, certainly Hollywood Brown would be one of those players that I would uh, look at and return. And then, uh, of course, the their teammate Mark Andrews at the tight end position, one of the most highly coveted fantasy tight ends in all of drafts uh, during August this year. I mean, he's an absolute buy low after what was just an absolute pathetic performance in week three, dropping balls left and right, dropping touchdowns left and right. I think anybody who watched it it left a terrible taste in Mark Andrews' owners. They're seeing the low-volume passing game. Um, Really, Mark Andrews hasn't performed well since week one. Uh, you know, that said, he's still clearly the basically the 1B to Hollywood Brown's 1A. I mean, those guys are clearly the top two targets on the team. And, you know, we know that Lamar Jackson has very, very much relied on Mark Andrews in the passing game to date. And I think that continues as, as long as he continues to trust him. I mean, that could, 
erode a little bit if we see start to see a more of a repeat of what we saw last week. Um, that said, Mark Andrews is only number 13 at his position in terms of targets on the season. I mean, that's not totally inspiring, but again, um, I think it's just getting a connection to this Ravens team, to this Ravens offense. Tight end is always a little bit of a mess. If you're tired of streaming or playing waiver wire tight end, I think Andrews is a really good target here uh, to get what was considered like a quasi, you know, elite guy that still has a lot of upside. Andrews gets top two top 10 matchups in the next three weeks for fantasy tight ends, including the number six matchup on the roster watch uh, matchup tool at Washington this week. So, if you have an unassuming counterpart in your league who's a Mark Andrews owner, I think this is a really sneaky time, a uh, really sneaky opportunity to, to go after him. Another really sneaky buy right now is David Johnson of the Houston Texans. I mentioned earlier that I think the Texans are on the precipice of starting to heat up offensively, uh, and clearly David Johnson would be one of the benefactors of that. He has a really good schedule on the horizon for David Johnson, uh, you know, but the production and the production hasn't been bad for David Johnson, you know, but it clearly hasn't been inspiring and the volume has been low. So if you have owner in your league, a David Johnson owner who maybe is somebody a little more sophisticated than just looking at how many points Johnson has scored every week, I think there's a chance they're concerned about David Johnson just based on the volume, based on what we've seen on the offense so far. I think that's going to change, but your league mate. Uh, might not. And then also there's the narrative uh, that Duke Johnson is probably coming back this week. So maybe that adds a little fuel to the fire. Maybe the David Johnson owner in your league is also a little bit nervous of that. I don't think Johnson's going to be a steal or a super buy low, but I think he's a pretty enticing uh, buy. I just, again, I think the the offense is going to be heating up. Um, and David Johnson's a guy who is potentially could really help you out for the next month when he gets Minnesota, Jacksonville, Tennessee, and Green Bay. I mean, these are four good matchups, and a lot of people are in win-now mode. I know I am in one of my leagues, and I'm definitely going to go sniff around David Johnson. Remember, guys, we put all these tools together for you at Roster Watch. Number one, we put them together together because they're what we use in our own leagues, but it's basically we've mapped out all, all the moves we make in our own leagues, and we distill that. We give that to you. We provide that to you. Um, through the tools at rosterwatch.com. So again, I don't think that you're going to buy crazy low on David Johnson, but I suspect he's conceivably available. And again, he's a player I think can really produce in the next 30 days, which uh, we always need to be mindful of winning now in fantasy. I mean, every year I learn that more and more. It's so easy to, uh, to become distracted with planning the future, holding on to players that you think are going to come back and be good, or you don't want your opponents to get, but I mean, costing yourself even one or two wins, you know, an extra loss or two, I mean, that's the difference right there. And uh, I think that if you're not mindful enough of winning every single week of the season, um, that can be a problem. So David Johnson is certainly one of the guys I would use to address that. And then the other one that I would use to address that is the running back of the Arizona Cardinals, Kenyon Drake. I'm a Kenyon Drake owner. Um if I was in win mode, win now mode and I needed a guy this week, I would definitely look at Kenyon Drake. He's getting the touches on a good offense. He just hasn't really blown up yet. And he gets that number two matchup 
of the week at the Carolina Panthers. Just an absolutely juicy matchup. We've seen running backs slice and dice him for monster weeks so far this season. Vegas has it projected at a juicy 52-point game total. So there should be a lot of points in this one, Arizona at Carolina. And the thing is, I see Kenyon Drake's name being tossed around a little bit right now, you know, just as a guy that's available and maybe a guy that's even a little bit of a buy low right now. So if I was in win now and looking for like desperate to win right now this week, like I'm an 0-3 team or 1-2 team, uh, I would absolutely see if I could pick up Drake in this one. And then he's not a horrible guy you know, to roster the rest of the season. All right, next up for this week, I want to talk to you guys about some of the players who I'm getting a lot of questions about over on the side at Roster Watch. I mean, one of the things I do every week to prepare for the trade cast is keep an eye on all the trade questions that are coming in over on the website and getting a feel for maybe some of the players that uh, whose names are coming up frequently that it, it appears people have a lot of questions about. So let's let's talk about these guys because I think these guys are players that you could go a number of ways with and a lot of it will depend on your situation. I tend to think most of these guys are ultimately beholds this, this week for most people, but um, guys that we definitely need to discuss. And uh, one of those is going to be Daryl Henderson, the running back of the Rams, who people had kind of left for dead from a fantasy perspective before the season and through the first couple of weeks of the season. But what a coming out party uh, it's been the last couple of weeks for Daryl Henderson with the Rams. Um, look, I think more than likely you hold and play uh, Daryl Henderson this week. Uh, he's their 13 point home favorites in the number eight matchup of the week. Uh, it's a 48 point game total at home against the lowly New York Giants this week. So it's just like even Vegas has the game script set up for, you know, one would project, you know, um, historic, you know, uh, traditionally that this is a, a, a really great spot for the fantasy running back on the Rams side. Um, and, you you know, kind of want to play him while he's hot and he's got all the confidence uh, of his of his coach right now. I mean, Daryl Henderson uh, certainly has the hot hand in Los Angeles, and uh, Sean McVay seems to be very aware of that. So, um, you know, the other thing to keep in mind with Daryl Henderson, so the reason I bring him up, people are like, well, is this going to continue with Daryl Henderson? Can I trust him? Is he a sell high? I mean, is this a guy I need to keep? Like, there's still Cam Akers that everybody was hyped about. It seems like Malcolm Brown is obviously still going to be involved, you know, exact, what do we make about this? Because, you know, the flip side of it is that we've seen the singular running back in a Sean McVay run scheme, especially with the improved offensive line they've put together in in, uh, Los Angeles. I mean, that can be a big time player. I mean, everybody remembers what Gurley was a few years ago. Now, I don't think we're mistaken that Daryl Henderson is Gurley. And it appears to me that the intention is there for to be some type of committee here. But of course, we're going to ride him while we're hot. Uh, smoke them while we got them. And I think Daryl Henderson's uh, one of those players. He's got a pretty good schedule from now until his week nine bye. So if he's able to put a hold on this thing, uh, it could definitely be a uh, a, a, a big, big run if uh, he's able to take the reins uh, here. So that's why I think we lean towards keeping Daryl Henderson. You know, That said, there's a lot of momentum out there for him. If I'm able to package him and trade up for a guy that I just trust way more as an elite player, 
I think that's a smart idea anytime. Um, but I would say more than likely for most people, Daryl Henderson is a wait and see, especially if you're looking for a win this week. Um, or you don't want to sell, you know, potentially super short on him. And I don't know that it's a big risk to wait this week because I, I would expect he's going to have a pretty good game. His value could be even higher next week if you're still um, concerned. But you know, I get you want to be. This is all about being opportunistic every week in our leagues. And sometimes you need to strike while the iron's hot. So this is just going to depend, um, you know, on your circumstances. I mean, we certainly aren't all the way there yet on Daryl Henderson. Um, so I wouldn't blame somebody if they felt like this was um, the time to sell. It was 21 touches last week for Henderson, which is very, very impressive, but still only a 49% snap count, which is definitely pretty concerning. So not a done deal yet for Daryl Henderson, but um, you know, a guy who I think you're going to see his name potentially come up in the trade market in your league this week. And, um, you know, if you're a Daryl Henderson owner, I think you got to have to make some decisions about whether you should try to sell high now or, um, you know, or whether uh, it's worth a hold. And I think most of you will come to the conclusion it's worth a hold. Um, but I certainly would commend you for where your head's at if you're thinking about selling high on Daryl Henderson. That means that you're thinking uh, the right way. But this is what we're here to help you with is, you know, you uh, teach you the strategy, but also help you pinpoint the players and their values at the moment um, and um, instruct you, you know, how to do, you know, make rational deals that are really going to benefit you. Uh, The next guy that's been coming up a lot, Alex brought him up on the waiver wire podcast yesterday. I think Alex and I are maybe in a little bit of a different place on him, but I get it. And his name's coming up a lot about what do we do with them. So let's talk about him. Miles Sanders, the running back in Philadelphia, 22 touches, eight targets, 107 yards in week three versus Cincinnati. I know people are concerned about Carson Wentz and just the general state of the Eagles offense, but the thing that really stuck out to me here is a 78% snap count for Miles Sanders, which is really quite high, especially given what we're seeing in other backfields this year. A lot of 50, 60% guys, like 78% snap count for Miles Sanders, especially getting those eight targets and then seeing the 20 touches, all of that very, very, very um, encouraging from my perspective with Sanders. So like if he's a guy that somebody's interested in selling in my league, I would be interested in buying. Um, Again, I think he's probably, you know, a hold when you look at the fact that Boston Scott and Corey Clement at this point are a distant RB2 and three on that depth chart. I mean, they combined for barely 20% uh, snap count and only six touches for 13 yards last week, only one target. All of those are going to Sanders, which we know are not only valuable in PPR, but even in regular leagues, um, it's become you know widely known that the running backs that get the receptions, those receptions on average translate to more fantasy points than a carry does. So this is all very, very important, you know, no matter the format. If you're seeing the targets with Miles Sanders, um, I, I I think it's an you know definitely encouraging, um, but you know to Alex's point yesterday, if you have some reservations about Sanders, I think you've got to get you know it's got to be a respectable deal. Um, I don't know that you're going to really lick if you're in big trouble. Maybe you could look you could probably liquidate him for a couple of decent flex plays, a couple of starters. Um, you know, again, I think you know is he the kind of guy that you can take and package up to go after one of the absolute biggest fish in all of fantasy you know can you go after a Zeke Elliott if you take a Miles Sanders and somebody else 
Um, you know, maybe so. But the question is, you have to ask yourself is, you know, do I, am I outsmarting myself? Is that, you know, we always talk about it. Am I really upgrading in this trade? You know, what's the, what's the net fallout from this? And that's what you're going to have to look at. You don't want to just trade Miles Sanders to trade Miles Sanders. You better make sure if you're messing around with a guy like that, uh, that you um, have a good plan and that you are getting very good players in return. Todd Gurley, a guy that we bought low on last week. That worked out really, really well. Um, we talked a lot about Todd Gurley last week here, and he scored 15 points for us. Um, so uh, the next thing you're gonna you look at coming off that you know respectable at least fantasy performance this last week in terms of his bottom line production. Like I said, we just want to be attached to that Falcons offense. And Gurley was the guy we could get attached with. He was the guy available last week. So I think this was a good pickup, especially now that Todd Gurley, if you look at his schedule, he's got five really good matchups in a row uh, the next five weeks. I don't think you could ask for a lot more than that, especially trying to win now. Like, um, I don't think he's going to be a buy low based on his production last week. But if people in your league still aren't sold on Gurley because of the usage and the rise of Brian Hill, like I would definitely be adding him, interested in adding him right now to help me win the next five weeks of the season. Like he's a guy that's definitely going to be able to do that. That all starts this week with the number six matchup uh, at Green Bay in um, prime time. Uh, you know, again, I think he's ultimately going to be a hold because you're going to want, most people are going to want, want and need to play him in those matchups. But if you're goosey uh, about Todd Gurley, you know, look, you could try to sell him high coming off the uh, the performance last week. Like that might be enough that now his value's back up in your league. So much of it depends on the perception in your league of these players and the needs of the other teams. You know, that's the other thing to look at. When you make an, a trade offer, I mean, you can pepper people with whatever offers you want. But, you know, a diligent trade offer is one where you've looked at your opponent's roster and you've you know, you've at least evaluated, like, is the offer I'm going to make them make any sense for them? Otherwise, it's, you know, uh, probably a waste. So nonetheless, Todd Gurley, if people in your league still don't love him because they're scared about Brian Hill and the usage, I would be more than happy to attain him this week and play him for the next five weeks and um, try to get as many wins as possible. Um, if you think he is a sell high and you want to use Gurley to get your in a consolidation trade, a buy your way all the way to the top of a um, you know one of the one of the bigger fish running backs in the league, I could definitely see that as well. So uh, Gurley is a guy I expect to see his name on the market this week. But once again, another player I think when rational minds prevail, most teams are going to realize that if they've done the research, they probably need to keep Todd Gurley and just play him for the next five weeks. Uh, next up, Joe Mixon. Tons of Joe Mixon questions. We talked about him last week. We said only buy Joe Mixon if you're buying super low. It was a cautionary tale about a formidable and imposing upcoming schedule, really the rest of the season. Also, major concerns about the offensive line in Cincinnati. And, you know, the other thing that's really come up that's bothering the hell out of me with Joe Mixon right now is that's a player that a lot of his value, projected value preseason, was tied to the idea that he's good in the passing game. He'll get the targets, he'll get the receptions, he'll be a dump-off guy for the rookie quarterback, and that's all going to lead to a nice fantasy floor and you know, really make you know, Joe Mixon a, you know, a big contributor this year. You know, unfortunately, we're seeing Mixon 
only get a few targets a game. And it's truthfully, I see it as totally unforgivable. You know, I, I think the thing we saw what happened with Drew Sample, the tight end, played 90% of snaps, ran a ton of routes, the rookie tight end when Cincinnati this last week only got one target. I think what we're seeing is Joe Burrow throws to his wide receivers. And um, so that's something we need to keep in mind. I'm not sure these receptions are going to be there the way we'd hope for Mixon. That said, we've um, this time of the year we are able to update the matchup tool with a whole new set of inputs that become available after the first month of the season. We get a better grip on these matchups. And I came away this week um, definitely more comfortable with Joe Mixon's upcoming schedule than I was last week. Um, some things have changed. So, you know, again, Joe Mixon, he's a, he could be a buy, sell, or a hold. It really depends on your league. Um, again, I lean towards the concept that Joe Mixon is a hold, at least for this week, just because he plays Jacksonville. And, I mean, you know you're selling low on Joe Mixon if you saw him right now. I think you can hope that this might be a get-right spot for Joe Mixon where he can bust out, create some value for himself, and then that's going to put you in a situation where you have more options, more opportunities of things uh, that you can maybe do with Mixon. And I think the more options you have, uh, the better off um, that you will you will be in. And, and, and so – Speaking of the upcoming schedule with Mixon, as we, we kind of teased it there, so he gets Jacksonville this week, but the the two ensuing weeks after that are Baltimore and Indianapolis, two of the worst possible matchups in all of fantasy for uh, for the running back. That's week five and week six. So the thing is, is that most Joe Mixon owners are like 0-3 or 1-2 right now. So I think they use him and try to get the win this week, but I'm not sure that anybody who's in a losing situation can really afford to just roll Joe Mixon out against Baltimore and Indy next week and, and, and throw up a prayer and hope that it works out. I think that's probably a losing strategy for teams who need to win now. Um, so this is all stuff to pay attention to. Probably keep Mixon playing this week. If you're a losing team, I think you get his value up. You see if you can flip him just to help you in week five and week six so you can get back. Uh, in the winner's column in your standings. I think that's going to be the most common uh, scenario. That said, um, like, I, um, like I mentioned, we've uh, a whole bunch more data becomes available to us on our defensive matchup ratings this time of the year. And that schedule's not as bad as I anticipated last week as it was for, for Joe Mix and the rest of the season. Last week, outside of the Jaguars coming up, uh, pro- projected this week in week four, as of last week, he only had two projected top 10 matchups the rest of the season and that was week 13 and week 16 and i just think joe mixon seasons his owners their season's going to be uh over by then and really the rest of the schedule looked pretty daunting last week so um i I got another look at it this week with the new inputs and it's not great but it's it's not a totally horrible uh scenario at least not nearly as bad as we you know thought it might look last week um, so I think the idea of buying low on Joe Mixon for winning teams begins to make a lot more sense um, as a stash. I think they could probably fade those two matchups next week if they need to. Um, certainly, if you want to buy low on him, you should try to do it now before his value goes up in the Jacksonville game. And clearly he could be a guy, even a winning team might want to play this week. So I think uh, Joe Mixon could be a, is probably a hold, probably a play this week. Could be a sell next week, uh, a sell high. Could be a buy low this week, or you know, certainly depending on the situation, could be a keep the rest of the season. Uh, just hoping for that bounce back with what looks to be 
um, uh, you know, a little bit of an improved schedule uh, on the horizon. Um, I think there's de- there's deals to be done on Joe Mixon this week. You're just going to have to figure out which side of the equation you're on. Um, it's just, you know, never forget how bad that offensive line sucks. And I think you're going to have to really, really see the uh, the targets uh, uptick to, to get what we hope for out of Mixon. That said, um, that schedule is going to be better than we thought. And I think it's going to give Mixon. Mixon's kind of got a three-way go on the trade market right now. Again, you'll need to assess your situation and see what makes uh, sense for you. Uh, buy, buy Joe Mixon super low. Hold and play him this week. You know, get him the hell out of town because you just can't stomach it anymore. I think all those things are on the table, um, but you really should try to avoid selling super low on Mixon. I, I, I would, I would uh, recommend that you you sit tight if you can. Next guy on the list that's name is coming up a lot on the site: Melvin Gordon, running back, Denver Broncos. Kind of a middling schedule from now until the week eight bye. You know, we're getting indications that Philip Lindsay is very close to a return either this week or next week. Um, and people know that. Uh, so I, you know, to me, Melvin Gordon is probably only like a sell high. If you could sell him to somebody who needs a play this week and is desperate, I don't think that's a bad strategy to see what you can get from Melvin Gordon from a desperate owner that really needs like a flex or running back this week. Uh, I might in- investigate it. Um, I, I also think Melvin Gordon at this point, if his owner is getting scared of what's going on, uh, with Philip Lindsay coming back and just that offense and everything, like I, I could be, I could be tempted to buy low on Melvin Gordon as well, as well. That's why I think he's a guy it just depends on his price tag in your league, because I think even when Lindsay comes back, I mean, it's starting to sound like Drew Locke is going to return much sooner than later. And I, I just think in the end, when you reconcile all that, it, it makes Melvin Gordon some some version of an RB2, which you know, ultimately I think it's basically what you expected when you drafted him. It might not have the, 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 the total upside you were hoping for when Lindsey returns, but I think a lot of that can be negated by Drew Locke getting back in here. So um, Melvin Gordon, an interesting guy. I think a lot of teams will ultimately hold him. There may not be a market for him. It just may not make sense to move him but um you know if he's if there's somebody desperate in my league i can ship him off to this week to help him this week maybe ship him two guys that help him this week gordon one of them i get one of their premium players in return that maybe has a tough matchup or something they're scared of uh i would look at doing it and if i was running back needy and somebody was ready to fire sell melvin gordon in my league um i would certainly be interested in taking a look at that i don't i don't think it would hurt to add melvin gordon uh to your roster um, the other player, a wide receiver this time, name getting tossed around quite a bit, Allen Robinson of the Chicago Bears. Um, you guys saw the big breakout this uh, this last week. Um, fortunately, uh, Bears owners, uh, Robinson owners, everybody got an early gift uh, with Nick Foles coming in um, sooner than we expected because the Bears weren't. We're two and zero heading into last week, but I, Nick Foles coming in is clearly really good for all the players on the Bears' offense. Um, you know, that said, we need to be mindful that Allen Robinson he doesn't have another excellent matchup for another seven weeks until he gets to Minnesota uh, or gets Minnesota at home in Week Ten. 
Um, Allen Robinson faces four notably difficult matchups over the next six weeks. Uh, matchups that are formidable on the matchup tool, uh, including the worst matchup in the entire league this week versus Indianapolis. Um, again, I think adding Nick Foles in the mix is a bit of a hedge about this strength of schedule. I'm With Trubisky, I might have been totally out on Allen Robinson. He would have been a great sell high coming off the big game. Um, well, heck, he probably wouldn't have had that big game if Trubisky was still in. As a matter of fact, he wasn't trending towards having one. Boy, I'll tell you what. Once Nick Foles came in, Allen Robinson played. He played his ass off like he never wanted to see Mitch Trubisky again. I mean, Allen Robinson was playing for Nick Foles. He wants somebody who can throw it down the field to him. So I think Nick Foles mitigates that a little bit. If you need to keep Allen Robinson, it's fine. If you're really into him and you think Foles is going to really do the trick, I don't have a problem with it. You know, But I think we should be mindful that he has a significantly difficult upcoming schedule, and he is, by definition, probably a bit of a sell high right now. Uh, he does get, I, I mentioned it's four difficult matchups over the course of the next six weeks. We kicked that off with a terrible matchup at, uh, versus Indy this week. There are two middling matchups in that six-week period at Carolina at Tennessee that I think Allen Robinson should be able to exploit without much issue, especially now that Foles is in um, is in the mix. Uh, you know, So in the end, I think Allen Robinson's probably a hold or 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 could definitely still be a sell high. I think you'll need to evaluate that situation uh, in your particular league um, as far as it relates to him. Okay, next up are a whole batch of guys that um, I kind of discovered as I was perusing through um, the the player pool today. And, you know, these guys struck me as players that I'm not sure exactly what their status on the trade market. I think they're um, pretty you know, pretty minimally valued. And so what I decided to do with these guys was kind of call them like, these are guys that are, to me, interesting throw-ins. These are guys that, and I'm seeing them on the message boards at Roster Watch, these are guys that if somebody's kind of just trying to make me a trade offer and they are thinking of one of these dudes as just like a throw-in uh, on the deal, I mean, these are these are guys that I might think a little more highly of uh, than that and would be certainly... Um, interested in getting in return especially if i have an owner in my league who thinks that lowly of them that they're just a throwing at this point point and um i think it's a real possibility and it's a real possibility uh that that is the case with darius slayton the wide receiver of the new york giants uh look we knew it was going to be a brutal beginning of the season um in terms of matchups for daniel jones there's a pretty good chance that's trickled down to Slayton, and that explains part of what we've seen here the first three weeks. You know, I think there's also a chance that he's just a boom bust player, and um, you know, he's not might not become the elite option or quasi elite option that we hoped. You know, he might break out in his second year. Um, still, I'd be interested in adding Darius Slayton to my roster if I got him purely as a throw-in on uh, on a bigger deal. And I think that's out there right now. So he could be a little bit undervalued. Another guy I would be considering taking as a throw-in is Le'Veon Bell. I mean, I've been totally hands-off on the Jets situation. I'm not high on Le'Veon Bell. I'm not sure he'll even be that good when he gets back. But his value is in the basement right now. I mean, he sure feels like a... Um, nothing more than just a, a throw in. And like, if you could put him at the bottom of your bench, 
Um, if he, he, I think he'd be a good flex play if he gets back in and can earn back, you know, some, any semblance of playing time close to what we expected at the beginning of the season. It probably won't be much more than that, but in a PPR setting, if it's anything like last year, I mean, which it's shaping up to be, um, he was still a decent flex. So I will take Le'Veon Bell in return as a throw in if he's just totally undervalued at this point in, in my league, which, you know, rightfully he, he doesn't retain much value rightfully. So, um, but, um, I just think that that would be a nice pickup, uh, to add there. And, and I think he's a player that's still got some upside. I don't want to overstate that, but he, he may be able to turn into more than a flex if just everything goes uh, properly. Uh, another running back, we got actually three more running backs here. I would look at taking his throw-ins right now. Um, if that I think could be just you know, basically just out of sight, out of mind, totally undervalued by their owners. Probably some of these guys are players that their owners are thinking about dropping at this point. So they might be happy just to get anything for him in return. And I'd say J.K. Dobbins of the Baltimore Ravens, the running rookie running back, is a guy to have a look at. You know, we'll see if he ever really emerges as a reliable option. It's a three-headed monster there. Lamar Jackson picks up a lot of the rushing. It's unclear what will happen with Dobbins. Um, but to me, what is clear is that the Ravens need his firepower. He's the only guy they have like that. He's a, he's, he's a big-time playmaker. And after seeing them play the Chiefs, I, to me, I, it just stands the reason that that team is going to have to get J.K. Dobbins uh, more involved you know what's his upside if Ingram and Edwards stay healthy? You know, we'll see. I don't know if he can just take the job and run away with it like that, but I think he can work his way towards prominence on a weekly basis and definitely become like a pretty high upside flex that attaches you to a good run game and uh, a uh, a good o- offense. And then clearly, if Gus Edwards or Mark Ingram goes down, you know, there's a, there's a sliver of chance there. Dobbins gets in and just runs away with the job if that happens that would be an absolute season changer so i just think there's so much upside with jk dobbins and he's probably so poorly valued right now that he's not a guy you'll depend on but he's a guy i'd be very very pleased to get as a throw in and just stash at the bottom of my bench a couple more players like that a couple more rookie running backs like that cam Akers and deandre swift in detroit uh, Acres feels like an afterthought right now with what Henderson's doing. Um, obviously, a three-way backfield, banged up with the injuries for Acres. So, who knows what to expect? Probably shouldn't expect much. That said, this is a guy that was be drafted like round f- four, five, six in leagues this year as an RB two, um, a player that was expected to eventually take this job and run away with it. And I wouldn't count that out yet. You know, we'll just have to see. It's clearly at this point, it's going to take a while. We, uh, you heard how good the schedule is for Daryl Henderson coming up. I mean, that's the same schedule Cam Akers would get if Henderson or Brown got hurt, or if those guys start to falter and all of a sudden uh, the rookie comes, you know, back into focus. So, you know, again, what's the upside with Akers? You know, remains to be seen. It could be similar to Dobbins. I think he's definitely lower on the pecking order right now, but I, Akers is a guy that's on some waiver wires and probably shouldn't be in most leagues. A pretty good stash. And then DeAndre Swift, I think equally so. Um, he, he, might, he might be more like a Dobbins uh, that I think has real upside if he's um, as the season progresses just because, you know, the other running backs aren't really showing out you know, and AP's doing his thing, but over time, I mean, AP, on Johnson, we'll see if they can really show out. I, I can see why those guys are getting 
the run early, but uh, to me, they made this investment in Swift to have a difference maker at that position, especially in the receiving game. And it's just difficult to believe that they're not going to find a way to integrate him, uh, you know, more frequently moving forward. And if, if that's the case, like he'll be a nice, could be a really nice flex player on a, on a, on a pretty good offense there in Detroit. Last but not least, here's a few more guys to consider in your league, um, whether these are guys that can be obtained or whether, you know, what's the value in, in, in your league of these players? What is the circumstance of the owner of these players in your league? Um, would, would these, could these guys potentially, um, help you win. Uh, so here's another crop of guys that I'd be taking a look at this week. And one of them would be DJ Moore of the Carolina Panthers at wide receiver. Uh, he's, I mean, he's definitely a buy low right now. It's been a frustrating start to the season. I'm a more owner. I mean, in some ways he kind of feels like the Joe Mixon of early round wide receivers so far this season. Um, you know, DJ Moore is a guy who, you know, very clearly is, is is talented and could have a, a big breakout at any minute. So if I can buy low on DJ Moore, uh, I'm interested. These are these are guys just with names that I'm seeing get tossed around this week. Chris Godwin, if you can avoid avoid, I mean, if you can afford to absorb uh, a couple of missed weeks here with a hamstring injury, I mean, he would just be an incredible add to your bench that you can break out um, here into your starting lineup in a few weeks. I think will be a massive difference maker down the stretch uh, might be time to take a look and see what's going on with the Julio Jones owner in your league. I mean, this is obviously it's frustrating with the health. I mean, this is an annual thing with Julio Jones. Um, and I, you know, I still believe he's probably the number one. He, I mean, he is the number one, but I, there's a lot of people that might be freaked out that Calvin Ridley's the number one in Atlanta now. And I think we're at least getting close to that, you know, that being a real possibility um, so if that has owners in your league low on Julio Jones, you know, sniff around him, poke around him. I mean, these are season, we want to go after some season changers here, especially if we are in consolidation mode, which hopefully most of you are Devonte Adams, you know, we'll need to see, does he play this week at Atlanta? He's got a buy next week. If all of a sudden he doesn't play this week and then he's out with a buy next week, his owners are looking at being without him for three weeks. Uh, could be an opportunistic time to pursue him. And then maybe last but not least, uh, uh, on the wide receiver side, uh, maybe these other considerations, uh, players' names I'm seeing tossed around on the trade market this week over at rosterwatch.com is uh, Titans wide receiver A.J. Brown, MIA, the, in, with a bad knee bruise, bone bruise, the beginning of this season. Um, still unclear exactly when he's going to be back, but um, – and we didn't never thought he was going to be able to operate with the same hyper efficiency he did last year. We didn't draft much AJ Brown, um, but I mean those other guys suck. Even Corey Davis, he still just sucks. So AJ Brown, if you can get your hands on him, that's a nice player to add to your roster uh, if you can get him for cheap. That could um, pay dividends down the line. And then a couple of running backs, I think that fit the same category. Um, you know, they're not necessarily. Uh, these aren't necessarily the you know um, the most frequently mentioned guys on the trade market this week, but again, just some notable players who I see their names coming up uh, that their value could be uh, could be a little bit depressed in your league. And Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts. It's hard for me to believe why his value would be depressed, but 
I'm seeing his name being tossed around as a little bit of a buy low right now. I don't know if people are just scared of what looked like a three-way committee this last week with Wilkins and Hines. I'm certainly not overly worried about that. If I can get Jonathan Taylor, the rookie running back in Indianapolis, at a decent price uh, in my league, if that's what the circumstances in my league, and I think it's going to different. It's going to differ on this group of guys from league to league. Um, I'm definitely looking at it. Zach Moss coming back into the fold in Buffalo. You know, is he more than a flex? I don't think he's a guy I'm getting super revved up um, to go after, but he probably could be a flex and his value, you know, he, he might be kind of an afterthought to his owner in your league right now. So he could be one of these guys that's a little bit of a, of a throw in, or, you know, maybe if you're a Singletary owner, um, getting Moss as a handcuff, kind of like the handcuffs we talked about earlier, wouldn't be a horrible idea. Or hell, if you want to sell high on Singletary, like we discussed at the outset of this episode, I mean, the Zach Moss owner probably wouldn't be a horrible guy uh, to go to and just see if there's a deal to be had. And then, you know, we talked about Nick Chubb last week, certainly not as a sell, but as a guy that you could conceivably sell super high on if you were a losing team that needed to liquidate a premium player in order to get a couple of good starters in return to help you field a more competitive uh, starting lineup. Um, I mean, obviously, Nick Chubb went bananas again this last week, so... Uh, you know, you, you don't you don't want to get um, you don't want you don't want to uh, beat the drum too loud for trading Nick Chubb. Um, I think in the end, what we're seeing in Cleveland is massive volume for the running backs. That's what they're that's the way they'd like to run the offense. But the reason he's gotten it these last two weeks is because he's had amazing matchups with positive game scripts against crappy teams like Cincinnati and Washington. So I think the thing to watch with Nick Chubb is at a, you know, under a 60% snap count, only one target a game, heavily, heavily touchdown dependent through three weeks. Uh, is this a guy that can, that can give you this kind of production uh, when, when the Browns are in a tougher matchup against maybe a better team? I think he's a guy you need to look uh, closely at the schedule on Nick Chubb uh, to figure out what you're going to do with him now? Of course, you're, if you if you don't need more than likely, you're keeping Nick Chubb. He looks like an excellent player, and you know how many play can can you take Nick Chubb and trade him up for somebody more premium? Can you get to a Zeke Elliott or somebody like that by trading a Nick Chubb? Maybe I'm not sure that you want to. Those trades are a little bit tricky. You know, you want to do a trade where you feel like there's a clear clear benefit. So, you know, in the case that there's a losing Nick Chubb team that's struggling elsewhere in their starting lineup, I think he's just he's a quintessential example. You never want to get rid of those guys, but of, of a premium guy you could liquidate if you're in a bind or, you know, somebody comparable to that in that type of situation. That's when you want to do a liquidation. But remember, when you're trading a premium player like that, you've always got to get two really good starters in return, hopefully two starters that you're buying low on uh, in order to kind of uh, compound that value. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, we always leave you with a few examples of trades um, that we might offer or mock trades that we can you know, show you how to configure some of the deals that we've discussed on this episode. Um, so let's begin with the Lamar Jackson. You know, we said that if you can buy super low on Lamar Jackson, I think he's a pretty interesting player to go after this week. Um, even though we're not usually interested in trading for quarterbacks, and I think there's a lot of quarterbacks performing well this year. I just I still think you take your chances 
with Lamar Jackson if you can get him without uh, paying a king's ransom, king's ransom. And, uh, you know, his his uh, his value is definitely down a little bit right now. So, you know, could you take Drew Brees, you know, or maybe a Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers or Brady or one of these guys that are, you know, or like I said, a Cam Newton. I really love using Drew Brees and Cam Newton in the example for Lamar Jackson. Can you take Drew Brees and Cam Newton or Cam Newton and like a flex or, you know, one of the, you know, uh, you know, one of the maybe even the low end, you know, running back handcuffs. If that Lamar Jackson owner happens to be like a Zeke or a you know a, a Dalvin Cook owner, or one of these guys, maybe they maybe they could use. Maybe they want to get that situation you know sewn up. So you know, can you take a Cam Newton and one of those guys and get up to a Lamar Jackson? I'm not sure. I think it's a good way to open discussions. Um, but maybe if you put a solid flex in there with a Drew Brees, I think you could bring Lamar Jackson home. Uh, at least that's the best way uh, to begin those talks. Um, if you don't own a quarterback that makes sense to put in that deal for Jackson, I think you can consider, consider trading two flex guys for him that are, you know, that you don't necessarily rely on, or if you've got the depth to do it, you could just trade him like maybe like a good RB two or wide receiver two straight up for Lamar Jackson. But again, that's not the preferable way to go about it. Really, we want to take the quarterback on our roster now, package them with another flex player, ship them out, and level up in a consolidation trade for Lamar Jackson where we get the best player in return, a player that could go nuclear and absolutely help us win our season while also clearing that ever-important roster spot uh, that we were, are sure to cultivate into a player of equal or greater value than any of the players that we just shipped off. And you know, therefore, over the course of the season, uh, we keep working the trade market and the waiver wire like this. By default, we will be increasing the equity across our roster by an enormous amount, and that's going to pay off in spades um, as we navigate the attrition of the season, but also as we gear up for the arms race in the playoffs uh, down the road. Uh, another example, if you want to go after Mark Andrews, you know, similar to the Lamar Jackson deal, take your current tight end and throw a flex in or one of those handcuffs, you know, if it's a Zeke owner that owns Mark Andrews and you own Tony Pollard, you know, maybe you own Tony Pollard and TJ Hawkinson or something, offer those guys up for Andrews, you know, see what you can get. I think, um, I think it's a reasonable offer. And I think it's one that an Andrews owner might be willing to take. And, you know, look, streaming tight ends is certainly a very viable strategy, but that does get old. It's, it's never bad. And there's enough headaches, enough things to manage throughout the season. It's nice when you have a plug and play tight end like Mark Andrews. Um, and let's talk about maybe some of the skill players we talked about buying low on Hollywood Brown, David Johnson, perhaps a Kenyon Drake, especially with that matchup this week, if we're in win now mode. I mean, those are the guys that I want to take two flex players, package them up in a consolidation trade and offer them for Hollywood Brown or David Johnson or Kenyon Drake. And I want to get the one player back in return that I view as the superior uh, player. That's, I think those are very plausible deals this week. And as a matter of fact, I would urge all of you to, to go have a look at seeing if you can get that done that this week. And I certainly want to hear uh, the results over on the site at Rosterwatch, or you can always ping us on Twitter at Rosterwatch and uh, let us know what's happening in your trade market. We love to hear the feedback from this show and how it helps you. And, you know, we can also pick up a lot of other ideas um, 
that we could talk about moving forward as far as trade targets and trade situations. Uh, I think if you're not able to, uh, if you're not able to do a consolidation trade for Hollywood or David Johnson or even Kenyon Drake, um, I think that's a situation where you, if like, let's say you're deep at wide receiver, I think you could just trade like a solid wide receiver straight up for David Johnson in a one for one, uh, you know, um, trade that's going to help you balance your roster, make your, maybe not make your, give you a maybe more competitive starting lineup than what you're currently working with. Uh, I, I think that's definitely something I would consider. And, you know, you know, we, we mentioned, uh, Singletary earlier as well. I think that Dave, Devin Singletary is like, might be a good option to go after a Kenyon Drake, or a David Johnson with. Well, it's always a good option to spend our Wednesday and our Thursday here with you guys, all of our loyal listeners and followers over on Roster Watch, all of Roster Watch Nation. We couldn't do any of this without you. We are we have gratitude. Uh, we're, great, we're grateful beyond uh, belief for the support that we get from you guys, and um, we always have. Uh, we're inspired. We're inspired by the feedback, and uh, we love hearing from y'all. And this what keeps us motivated to keep. Uh, doing this so i wish each and every one of you uh, a ton of success in your fantasy football trade market this week and until next time roster watch nation so long